If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. Final hour on this Tuesday. It's the Guy Benson Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Guy Benson. Our website, GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast is always free, on demand, every day when the program is over, which ends at 6 p.m. Eastern. The show airs for the previous three hours. And if you want to download or subscribe to the podcast totally free of charge, we encourage you to do that. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcasts.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this hour is sponsored by The Finnish Long Drink, Finland's most popular alcoholic beverages here in America. It's expanding. It is delicious. I'm a huge fan. Many of you have tried it. You reach out to me and let me know. TheLongDrink.com is their website. You can see where it's sold near you, expanding rapidly for new states just in the last few weeks. TheLongDrink.com, 21 plus only. Always drink responsibly. As we begin our final hour today, we welcome back to the show U.S. Senator Ben Sass, Republican of Nebraska. He serves on the Intelligence, Judiciary, Finance, and Budget Committees in the upper chamber. And, Senator, it's good to have you back. Guy, thanks for having me. What is the very latest you can bring to us in terms of what is happening on the ground in Ukraine? You're getting briefed on a regular basis. I know that the Ukrainians are saying there's uh, yet more brutal bombing of Kiev and other cities by the Russians, even you know, right now. Uh, what can you tell us? You know, we're a week into this thing, and nobody, the Ukrainians, would be able to do what they've done so far. Um, but every day, and as you as you get into night, you know, I guess it's 2 a.m. now in Kiev. Um, as you get into night, Putin, frustrated by the fact that the Ukrainians just didn't, you know, collapse and submit to his will, um, is more and more willing to shell civilian targets and and you know just try to demoralize the population and the great news, the surprising heroic news is that so far it's not working, but obviously the Ukrainians are outgunned and outmanned, but they're, uh, they've got a hell of a lot more courage and will than the Russian invaders because most of these boys didn't know where they were being deployed to. Their parents thought they were still on a training mission. Putin is evil. Uh, and there is no no limit to what he'll do. And so each night we see him more and more willing to shell civilian populations, but their spirit isn't broken. We've heard from your colleague Marco Rubio and also a similar assessment from Condoleezza Rice, the former secretary of state, yesterday on Fox News Sunday. They were suggesting that and it's kind of darkly hinting that there's intelligence that Putin has kind of lost it. He's not the same guy he was five years ago. He was always brutal, always a thug, no, uh, no interest in preserving innocent human life whatsoever. That's all bad enough, but there's at least a suggestion that he's getting worse, more unhinged, more unglued, more erratic. Uh, to the extent that you can comment on that, what's your response? 
Yeah, so I, I try hard not to get anywhere near um, the intelligence, but I'll just say top line issue on Putin is um, that the guy is evil. Um, he doesn't understand the heroism of the boys of Snake Island because he doesn't get anybody who'd be, who'd be about anything other than just brute force. But Putin has a lot of will, and he has a lot of weapons, and he's paranoid. I don't mean that in a clinical sense, but he obviously recognizes that there aren't a lot of people who willingly sign up and follow him as if he has some great inspirational vision. Um, he only knows the fist and his boot on somebody else's neck. And so a lot of the people that have relationships close to him, see them as transactional relationships uh, to get money as they together, you know, rape and pillage uh, the Russian people. But they're also scared of him. So he doesn't get a lot of good counsel in a normal situation because he ends up surrounding himself with soulless yes men. But it's worse in a COVID environment because you've seen the pictures of him. Um, Obviously, he's COVID crazy. And so he's 40 feet away from people. Contrast it with Zelensky, who's in there arm in arm with his men, you know, standing willing to, to risk his own death and saying to offers of evacuation. Uh, I need ammo, not a ride. And then he smiles and laughs and hugs his guys and breaks bread with them. Uh, Putin doesn't have friends like that. He only has transactional partnerships. And in the COVID time, his network shrunk radically. So he doesn't get good advice. I'm I'm not going to psychoanalyze him here, but he's obviously um, getting less good counsel now than he did a couple years ago. Here in America, the public opinion polls speak for themselves, just overwhelming opposition to Putin and Russia, strong, strong support for the Ukrainians. It's bipartisan across the board. People are wondering, what can we do? What should we do, America? So we ought to tell the Ukrainian stories. We ought to um, try to rally all the the people around the world who say they believe in freedom. It was embarrassing what the Indians did, uh, where they were unwilling to take a stand in something that's so black and white uh, that Zelensky, as a symbolic hero, he's an actual hero, but he's also a symbol of all of his people, has moved the Germans in a week. He's moved the Swiss in a week. He's moved the Swedes in a week. He's moved Finland in a week. Um, We need to rally those people. But then we also need to, at the realist level, be arming them to the teeth. Stingers and javelins and RPGs and and ammo um, and actionable, lethal, real-time targeting intelligence. This administration is way too slow. When Nebraskans are calling me about this issue the last 24 hours, they say, hey, I've seen on cable TV the images of a 40-mile convoy. How is it that the Russian invaders can just sit there and not be destroyed? Well, we know the Ukrainians are willing to fight. We know um, that the Russians didn't achieve the air superiority immediately that they thought they were going to achieve. And so we need to be getting the Ukrainians more ammo and more real-time lethal targeting administra- uh, in, uh, intelligence. And right now this administration is not doing that nearly fast enough. Yeah, they're doing some of it for sure. And we saw another authorization on Friday, $350 million worth of a lethal aid, including javelins. That's all good. The intelligence sharing is good, but sounds like it could be better and faster. Let's pause on this subject for a moment, Senator, and move from your role on the Intelligence Committee to your role on the Judiciary Committee, another big story in the country that we've barely discussed this week because it's just been obviously this massive story all-consuming in Ukraine. But there's a Supreme Court nominee that will be coming before your committee and then the, the broader Senate in all likelihood uh, in the coming weeks, 
your thoughts on Judge Brown Jackson as a nominee from President Biden to replace Justice Breyer? You know, I am looking forward to sitting down in person with Judge Jackson. I believe it's on my schedule later this week. I will be honest, I've been in and out of the, the skiff. So, uh, you know, constantly for the last few days uh, that I haven't read any of the opinions uh, that I think she's published maybe three opinions in her time on the circuit court. And so I look forward to reading those. And I look forward to having the, the kind of conversation with her that I had with Amy Barrett uh, and with, with Neil Gorsuch and, and with Brett Kavanaugh, which is fundamentally, I'm a non-lawyer. Um, I'm a guy who's taken an oath to the Constitution and the three branches of government that the founders gave to us check and balance one another. And the Article Three judges, and especially the Supremes and the, and the circuit court judges, um, have have an unbelievable responsibility, but it's a cloaked responsibility. They wear a black robe for a reason. They're not super legislators, and that's why they get lifetime appointments as opposed to having to stand before the people to hire and fire them again. So I, I'm going to want to hear Judge Jackson explain to me um, what her understanding is of the, the distinction among those three branches and, and how judges differ from legislators and looking forward. She's obviously an impressive woman and looking forward to, to meeting her and, and getting to hear her, her argument for, uh, for a constitution that is uh, about limited government. Senator Sass, in the last hour, I reviewed a vote that occurred in the Senate last night. You all were on recess. You came back from recess, and the first order of business was not Ukraine or apparently anything else. It was a bill that I can only describe as radical on abortion. It failed narrowly. Um, just in terms of the priorities of Senator Schumer and then the legislation that was proposed on substance, this is something that only two Democrats in all of Congress have been willing to stand up and raise their hand saying, no, this goes too far. Your reaction to what played out last night? You know, I think I'm going to just start walking around with an index card in my pocket that just has April 7th written on it. And every time somebody in the Capitol Hill press corps asks me why we're doing whatever stupid thing Leader Schumer puts up that day, we'll just show them the date of the New York primary because that's what's really going on. You have a guy who's, who's scared to death of AOC, so AOC sets the agenda in the Senate. And Leader Schumer does whatever nonsense, crazy stuff uh, as a grandstanding stunt that is necessary to try to convince AOC to not primary it. So that, that's what that vote was about. But at the substantive level, um, it's just it, it's really sad. I'm obviously, you know, one of the handful of half a dozen most conservative voters in the Senate. So I'm I'm not a moderate on these issues. Um, but I think America would be healthier if the Democratic Party actually tried to speak to something more than the, the craziest uh, online enraged folks on on Twitter. Um, and so, you know, the old days of Democratic politics claimed they were for safe, legal, and rare. This is anything but this. The shout your abortion party is radically out of touch with where Americans are. And obviously, this bill wasn't something they thought was going to pass. It was something that Leader Schumer wanted for his uh, his primary defenses. Yeah, but they all voted for it, except for Manchin. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it is crazy, and it's all the things that you described. And when I was actually going through some of the provisions last hour, it almost sounds like I wouldn't blame someone for saying, is he is he out of his mind? Is he maybe embellishing this, you know, for, for political reasons? No, it's as bad as it sounds. And you can just read the bill for, your, it's, uh, for yourself. If, if you doubt me, you can just go through and read the text of the bill. I guess my concern is not so much that they held a vote on it for political reasons and base servicing and in certain, you know, uh, special interests within the party with a lot of money. You know, th that is what it is. 
you had 99% of congressional Democrats support this. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. and it's way out there. That, that worries me. It does. It, me too, because the, the reality is 86% of Americans don't want to pay any attention to politics. They're only about 14% paying attention. And so what happens is more and more actions of public officials are directed at that echo chamber. And I want to be clear, at the, I'm going to say something political here, but first, just at the level of substance, um, I'm, I'm zealously pro-life uh, because one of the only major uh, core purposes of government is to defend the, the poorest and weakest and most vulnerable among us. And so we should be protecting these babies. But just at an analytic matter from where the electorate is, the electorate is about thirds uh, on abortion. And mm-hmm. the, the middle third is not where I am. It's, it's left of where I am. But the middle third basically wants abortion left alone uh, in the first trimester. And they don't understand why there'd be all this discussion of abortion after that trimester. Right. Again, yeah, and yet that's not where the Democrats are on this issue at all. And I guess they figured they'll get cover from the press, which largely agrees with them on this issue. That could be part of it. But uh, a pretty gross spectacle in the Senate last night. Senator Ben Sass, Republican Nebraska. Appreciate it, sir. We'll be right back. That was this week's edition of the Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.